Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 170. My name is Byron. I'm here with my buddy Gary. Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, we have an awesome episode, which is uh, making me all excited for the show here. Uh, we have Dr. Jen Case on the show today. Absolutely. Uh, a lot to talk about during this interview uh, that we have with her. Uh, uh, black belt and a doctor. She definitely knows her stuff, and she uh, is happy to share some of her knowledge with us today. So it's uh, always good to learn from somebody like that. Although people yep. like that are pretty rare, but uh, when you get somebody with that sort of education and that sort of training experience, uh, always great times to talk with them. Yeah, I heard her nickname is the Surgeon of Submissions. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but uh, I could see it happening. <laughs> I think you just made that up, Gary, but it might stick. We'll see uh, See how that goes. So if Dr. Jen Case does get that nickname, it's because of me. There you go. Very, very precise with her submissions, I'm sure. Speaking of being precise for your submissions, definitely check out Byron's audiobook. Byron, how is that for a segue? I don't know where you're going with it. I know you're attempting a nice segue here, but how precisely could this help you? It could precisely help me because I did a segue to your audiobook. <laughs> um, check out your first year in BJJ. Uh, we have a link to it on the show notes. It's Byron's audiobook. It's two and a half hours of content for only $11.99. You know, uh, what most people have said is that's an incredible deal and it's really helped their, helped their game. But what we're trying to do is your first year is the toughest time. And uh, most people do drop out in the first couple months or probably the first couple weeks or the first practice uh, studies. If we did some studies, we might be able to show that. But um, what we want to do is we want to keep people in jujitsu for the long haul. We want to grow the sport uh, throughout the world. And one way is to uh, keep people training beyond that first year. So uh, basically, uh, like I said, it's two and a half hours of content. And it's everything from picking a school to uh, finding what moves to work on. I mean, probably when you first start, you don't want to work on flying triangles and barambolas and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it's basically a, a roadmap to get you through that first year. So definitely check it out. Uh, link to it is on the show notes. Your first year in BJJ, only two and a half hours of content for only $11.99. There we go. That does uh, Hopefully that's helping people out there. We've got some positive feedback. If you want to keep up with us and all that is going on with the BJJ Brick podcast, there's one easy way to do that is to go onto our website or on our Facebook page. There's a little area to type in your name and email address. Type in that email address precisely. You don't have any missed letters or anything like that. And you'll get an email every week uh, with all the show notes. That will have, you know, it'll have the article uh, link if you want to go to see, check out the article and read that. It'll have the quote and any links to the uh, person we interview, they have website or anything that they, they have promoting there. That link will, links will be in that email for you. Yeah, we've been getting a lot more uh, emails on our email list here probably the last month. And, and we kind of figured out it was uh, due to Christmas. A lot of people were probably. Uh, uh, given this for Christmas presents. So they put the email out there. And like we talked about it, I think it was last week or the week before, but it's kind of like the Jelly of the Month Club. It's a gift that keeps on giving. So definitely uh, it's a great uh, Christmas present. Yep. You're really on schedule to get 52 emails a whole ye- in a whole year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like 52 presents, not just one present. Yep. So it's a little bit better. 
we want to make you smile once a week. <laughs> we want you to smile more than that, but once a week we can we can help that out. And uh, the email list, I guess, is a way that people, according to Gary, gave it as a Christmas gift, which is a pretty terrible I gave Christmas it. gift. I gave it to six people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a hey. good stocking stuffer. Hey, I looked at it this way. Um, first of all, it's going to get more people to listen to it and hopefully uh, get better at jujitsu. And secondly, it didn't cost me a dime. Yeah. What else could I ask for? And we had, that way I got more money to spend for jujitsu lessons. And it, I, it does show that we had six new unsubscribed people that uh, that bailed from the list that same day, Gary. So uh, very interesting what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sorry, I probably messed it up, Byron. I'll try to make sure our numbers don't get messed up. Oh, that's all. It's all good, Gary. If you want to subscribe, people, that's that's, yep. uh, that's funny. Yep. You know, um, basically, if you do subscribe, you get it each and every week. You know, it, it once you get it each and every week, it becomes a habit. Um, speaking of habits, I think we should go on to the uh, quote of the week, Byron. Okay. What do you mean? Speaking of habits, this is going to be interesting. I do like uh, quotes about habits. Yeah, we have a quote this week from a four-stripe brown belt. Uh, the guy's name's Aristotle. Um, his occupation is a philosopher, but what he says is, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act. It is a habit. And I think that's probably why he became a four-stripe brown. Um, but basically, yes, it is true. We are what we what we repeatedly do. Um you know, it's like if we want to win a, a tournament, if we want to get edge, good at jiu-jitsu, we've got to repeatedly come in and train. We've got to repeatedly drill. We've got to repeatedly study. Um, you know, we can't just do it once a week um, unless you've got the genetics that Byron does, and uh, he will excel. But, you know, if we want to get good at something, we've got to do it over and over again. Um, you know, we talk about – you know, drilling and, and Byron, you know, back when we, when we interviewed Daniel Coyle, what was his name of his book? Uh, the New York times bestseller the, the talent code. Yeah. The talent code. Well, you know, he was talking about or how the brain works, the myelin, the pathways between, uh, your brain. And, uh, basically the more you do something, he was saying that the stronger that pathway gets, the bigger it gets. It allows it to, uh, more information to go back and forth and it kind of i think of it as you know you do this you get in there and you drill every day let's say you wanted to have a really good arm bar from the guard if you just sat there and you drilled your arm bar from the guard every day you know it it becomes a habit you're doing it every single day you're getting better at it and you're going to get excellent at it you're going to be very good at that arm bar from the guard yeah to me uh, i really like this quote it uh if you could make something a habit Really, eventually, you'll become pretty darn good at it. You, I mean, just the habit of on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I go train, I go roll, and, and, and get on the mats with my, my team to where, let's say you're having a bad day Monday, and, and, or maybe you're kind of tired or didn't get much sleep the night before. You don't have to, like, make yourself go. It's just what you do on Monday nights. You just go train. And... and it doesn't take any extra effort as far as you know mental capacity. Oh, I gotta go train. Gotta get my, uh, you know, get my gi ready and all this stuff. You just go train. It's Monday. That's what you do. It's it's. I think a lot of sports success is um, attained, or, or uh, a lot of the time in sports success 
is is just those times it's not that fun, not that exciting to go train. It's just being in the habit of doing these things today and doing them again tomorrow. And, and you know, it may not be a week out from a big tournament and super excited, but it, but three months before that tournament, if you're training every day, you know, very hard, and that's and that's a habit to where when you show up, you don't train lazy, you you train hard. You're going to have a lot more success, and uh, and just making it to where it's what you do, it's your habit. It's not something that is foreign to you. It's not something that's hard for you to do. Uh, you will become good at pretty much anything that you can make a habit uh, and, and make it a regular habit for sure. Yep. Speaking of making a regular habit, make sure you listen to us each and every week. Uh, basically, get on our email list, uh, <laughs> and uh, you will get this every each and every week. You'll get a link to the show notes. It'll be a habit. Excellence is a habit. Excellence is a habit. There we go, Gary. Or a hobbit. Or a hobbit. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know where to go from there, so I will smoothly transition over to our article of the week. We've got, and I don't know if I'm going to agree with all of these, but uh, the it's on GracieMag.com, and uh, the art the headline of the article is "Meet the Five Worst Enemies of the BJJ Fighter." Um, word "fighter," I don't know. I thought when I saw that, I thought, "Oh, somebody's going to do MMA that does BJJ," but I don't think that's necessarily talking about that. No, no, yeah, I just think. You know, a lot of people call a BJJ match a fight. Um, you know, some people call it a match. Some call it a fight. So I think that's where he's coming from. Okay. I'm not trying to nitpick on things. I would just would have thought, you know, like practitioner or student or something like that. But uh, fighter has different connotations with myself anyway. But, uh, the, you know, you get down to these list of things here. It doesn't really uh, imply that they're trying to, to fight, you know, and, and this is even competition style of uh, jujitsu. So uh, the number one on the list is arrogance. Gary, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a big enemy right there for not just jujitsu, but just about everything. Yeah. So in 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 the article it kind of uh mentions keeping your mind open. So there's not the I know how to do that, I'm already good at it, that attitude. And you know, beginners that wrestled have this to to confront them early on. They have to decide, yes, I spent 18 years of, of my youth wrestling, basically. I'm a very good wrestler, but this isn't the same. A lot of those skills compare, you know, come over perfectly to jiu-jitsu, and a lot of them have to be changed or even left behind on the wrestling mats. So being able to get rid of that arrogance and say, okay, this is different. <laughs> I'm getting choked a lot. I need to learn something new about this grappling art. It, it, that's a big step that they either make or they don't make. And if they don't make that step pretty early on as, as a wrestler, usually they don't stick around. Yeah, and not just that, too. I do see a bunch of people who, you know, maybe lift weights and, you know, they're pretty strong. And they've watched the UFC and they've bought a couple videos and watched a couple YouTube videos. And, and they really, I see it happen all the time. They come into the gym think they know stuff you're trying to teach them and they're looking at me and you and saying boy this guy doesn't look like much i, I don't need to listen to him and and i do see that happen and uh, you know it's not just with i've seen it happen with people who have been training a long time and the key is you know open your mind um you know get rid of that arrogance you know be humble um, because you're definitely going to get humbled 
in the sport, you know, once you start training. But um, if we keep our open mind, there's nobody I can't learn from. I can learn from a brand new white belt. I can learn and from anybody, and it doesn't necessarily just have to be a move. Somebody could give me a good tip on, you know, how to relax and, and this and that. So, you know, always, always open your mind, you know, and don't think you know everything because the journey of a black belt is – a lot of people think that as soon as you become a black belt, you know everything, and, and Byron can attest to it. You know, once you become a black belt, you're still learning each and every day. So uh, I don't care how good you are. You know, I bet if you talk to Hoist Gracie, Hoist will tell you he's learning each and every day. So, um, um, you know, just keep your mind open and, you know, always be open to learning. You know, the, the world is uh, is constant learning. Number two is keep your word. Um <laughs> Uh, basically what he says is not keeping your word will keep you from evolving. Um, basically an example he gives is if you schedule a roll with your friends, don't blow them off due to laziness, forgetfulness, or any other type of problem. Be reliable. And I definitely believe in, you know, being reliable. I think that's why our show's done well. Um, you know, you think about it, <laughs> we always make time. You know, Byron will email. It's like, hey, can you make it this time? Can you make it at that time? You know, when... You know, this is really Byron's show, and I, I, I come along for the ride. And when I give my word to do something, I, I'm going to be there. You know, Byron's counting on me to uh, make sure I can record each and every week. It's like I, I can find time. Um, I'm not going to be lazy and forget about it. I'm not going to – well, I probably would forget about it if Byron didn't keep sending me emails because I'm not the most uh, smart guy in the world. But – the one part I don't like about this or any other type of problem, there are going to be some problems that come up that you can't get to the gym. And, uh, and you know, let's say your your wife goes into labor. Uh, I'm passing a kidney stone. Uh, my dog passes away. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I'm not going to come to the gym and, and I'm not going to record with Byron at that moment. You know, I'm going to make sure I record time for Byron because we do have a show to put on. I mean, I'm dead serious, Byron. I'll figure out a time. But going to a jiu-jitsu class, you know, I'm probably not going to make it. You know, it's uh, my wife going into labor is going to be a little more important than that. Or or if I have to go to work, you know, I get called into work and, you know, I have to be there. I'm not going to tell work, you know, sorry, I'm going to go train. You know, not that I don't, I want to, but um, sometimes uh, I can't. You know, I sometimes stuff are a little bit more important that has to be done. Yeah, the idea of being reliable or keep keeping your word uh, is a good thing. If uh, if somebody they're kind of making an evaluation whether you'll do something because you said you would or not, you want that to be a high likelihood. Okay, Gary said he'd do this. Yeah, he's going to do this. Is there a chance that something crazy happens to Gary and he can't do it? Absolutely. It's, this is real life and things happen. If, if Gary says, yeah, let's go train this day. Okay, Gary's wanting to train that day. He's going to be there. He's going to do it. But a thousand percent chance? No, there's, I'm not even a hundred. There's, there's a lot of things that could happen that are going to take the place that one day of him being able to make it in. It's, I think the idea of it is to be the person who uh, would rank high on the evaluation of whether you're going to keep your word. And keep your word. And the, the idea of you being able to always do it, well, it might sound more like this. I'm going to try to train tomorrow, but I'm not 100% sure. And that way it kind of leaves a little bit of a gray area to where they're not 100% hoping that you make it. You're just the two of us, and we're going to, you know, it's ruined if, if the other half doesn't show up. 
But so maybe like a little bit of a cushion by saying maybe versus yes, I'll be there. If you don't know, maybe is not a terrible answer or I'm going to try my best, but I got some stuff going on. I mean, just, just kind of putting that gray area uh, in your answer sometimes will make you more of a person of your word versus somebody who gets people frustrated. And this is a social sport. Your teammates are required, you know, you're, you need teammates to help you get better. So to keep them happy with you is a, is a big deal. Yep. So be reliable. All right. Number three is ingratitude. And I'm, I'm big on having gratitude, but I'm just going to read this one here and, uh, and we'll talk about it because I don't want to misrepresent it. The student who does not honor their master and higher ranked teammates will never be anybody in the world of BJJ. This behavior is, to me, the author, to me, the worst within our art. I, I, <laughs> I don't really know, I guess, what he's saying about honoring their master and higher ranked teammates. Um, I guess, well, Gary, what does that mean to you? This is a, this is a weird one here for me. Uh, you know, respect is good, I guess, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's saying respect your teammates. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily just say higher rank teammates. I think you should respect everybody. I mean, one of the most important ways to grow your school and grow the sport is to respect that new guy who walks in. Um, but respect is a two way street. In my opinion, it has to be earned. Uh, I, I'm not going to respect somebody who is not a good person. Basically, even even if they're better at jiu-jitsu than you, Gary. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I, will, I mean, I probably want to go to a school. Yeah. Let's say if the the instructor I did not think was a good person, I, I would go to another school. Um, you know, I I don't care how good the person is. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of back in the day when Ryan Hall left his, his previous team uh, and, uh, you know, went to another team. He, he, you know, had a kind of uh, he didn't like what his, you know, instructor, you know, the stuff that came out with his previous instructor. You know, the, the guy's an incredible jiu-jitsu guy and, but, uh, you know, he's like, hey, I'm probably better off somewhere else. I don't agree with some of the stuff people do. Yeah. And, uh yeah, I, I just think, I mean, I, I, I think you should honor everybody, respect everybody um, that deserves it because there's going to be, you're going to meet some people, I mean, that I don't, you know, that aren't the greatest people um, in our sport. You know, it's a shame, but uh, there are going to be some people that, you know, I I don't know if I respect 100%. Yeah, it, it th- this is a weird one for me because uh, honor your master and higher ranked teammates um, I I really like what you said, Gary. Uh, honor everybody on the team. You know, the, the new guy that walks in today, he he's also a person or she, and uh, they've got a story to tell, and and they may not be as far along on with jujitsu, but they might offer you something uh, that's definitely worth uh, worth having there at the school, and and that's a that's a big one. Just to think that you know, like oh, he's the the master of the school, which is not typically a word that we use a lot. Uh, I think professors kind of becoming more, I, more I, common, or I do call coach. Byron master all the time. <laughs> no, you don't. I, I, coach is is a common one too. I don't know, but uh, you know, master and hiring students, or you'll never be anybody in the world of BJJ. That's just that's a big statement, and uh, okay. But I'll, I guess I'm talking pretty uh, hard about this one. But I I'm big on having gratitude. You need to be grateful for the people who are around you, who are helping you, for the the even your ability to train at this time in your life. You know that, like Gary says, real life happens. If you're able to get on the mat this week, 
you know, be grateful for that. You know, that next week, you know, somebody might get sick in your family. It might even be you and trading might be wiped out for six months or even a year. Things happen. So having gratitude in life about everything and about your teammates, about uh, being in a spot at with your home life that you're able to go train, all that's big. But just to like, you know, honoring your master and hiring students or you'll never be anybody in the world of BJJ. Um, and who's to say that that's everyone's goal is to be somebody in the world of BJJ? Be yourself and, and do goal, you know accomplish yeah. your own goals that you want to do, and and really the people that are around you, like your master, like the higher ranked and lower ranked students, uh, you know those are the ones who are the most important as far as your BJJ goes, not not the world of BJJ. So that that one I'm a little iffy on, but I do I wish it said you know like be grateful for something uh, for what you have and and have maybe that attitude, but. Uh, that's that's a little bit of a of a different one there. Yep. Well said, Master Byron. Uh, <laughs> Master Byron, oh. is it okay if I go on to a number four, please? Okay, number four. Don't be repetitive. Don't be repetitive. Don't be repetitive. Did you like that, Byron? That you know, I I could not have uh, seen that one coming after the. I just uh, freelanced it. Yeah, that was good. Yep. <laughs> um, basically, what this this one. Uh, means is don't do the same thing you know all the time you're going to be that guy who's left behind um the guy who just works one move or only works top or bottom um doesn't pass guard only works leg locks um work everything i mean you know you come in as a wrestler you can have a strong top game uh you're you're a bottom player jujitsu you know don't just work on your bottom work on your top game Work on everything. Everything your your instructor shows you, you're gonna get better. You you're gonna in a short run you may get tapped more in practice, just because you're working on you know a bad area, a weak not a bad area, a weak area, but it's just gonna make you overall stronger. So work everything. Don't be competitive, um, and that way you will not get left behind. So um, do not be repetitive. Do not be repetitive, Gary. That I guess also with this one. To a degree, don't be repetitive. It's perfectly fine to work on something for a while. If you're a wrestler, you're white belt, you got to work your top game. That's great. But you know, blue belt time, purple belt time. We're talking years have gone by. You need to have started to work on your guard. You need to have a blue belt level guard if you're a blue belt. Even at most of your game is going to be uh, preferred on the top positions. But uh, yeah, don't have giant holes in your game because uh, you're only working these particular things. But uh, that's how you get good at certain things as well. Is kind of repeating some things, but uh, to a degree, you uh, yeah. need that balance. Yeah, I guess I didn't think of it that way. You do have to repeat stuff. I was thinking more, you know, you're just working one part of your game and never work anything else. But definitely, you do want to. I guess you do want to be repetitive. <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, you you do want to, you know, not just hit the while well, you're drilling, just hit it one time. You want to, you know, get a bunch of reps in. So. Um, um, but I think what they're trying to say is don't just work one portion of your game forever. You know, make sure you do have a complete game. Like Byron says, you don't want to want to have a, a, sw- a Swiss cheese game, a game with a bunch of holes in it. So uh, definitely uh, make sure you can do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, and the uh, this is a list of five things here. The five. This is the five worst enemies of the BJJ fighter. So number five is tardiness, and uh, basically says you don't want to be late. You know, if you're late to a tournament, you can get disqualified. You're late to class; it doesn't look that good on you. Uh, 
not someone who will be a strong black belt or even a good professional. And uh, to that, I say, uh, I think this is similar to keeping your word. If if you if you're going to be late, let's say uh, your your GC starts at five thirty and you get off work at five twenty, and you're going to be, hey, I'm going to be ten minutes late, coach. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, and that's, hey, you you, it's expected that, hey, I'm glad you can come train. Uh, you're going to be late. You know, if they don't, if they have a problem with it, then that's a whole other issue. But uh, to be just be late because you're watching TV or you you know didn't want to leave till the commercial started or you wanted to finish the podcast as you listen to it in your car, something like that. That's you know, a good excuse. <laughs> those are go ahead and, and and go not be late to class. But uh, like with the uh, keeping your word, tardiness happens sometimes. That you, you know you don't want to be late uh, if it's at all possible not to be late, but. It also shows, I think, your instructor how serious you are about training sometimes if you're uh, the person who comes. And that's, to me, I'm, I don't always make it on time to a class uh, where I train. Uh, but, you know, things happen. You know, if I have somebody who wants to do an interview and it's an hour and a half before class, the interview goes a little bit longer than I thought, uh, I can still go to class. But, yeah, I'm not going to walk in the door uh, before everyone is basically lined up and ready for class to start. But I'm still going to go and make it. That's just, a, you know, I'd rather go than not go. So uh, you get what you can when you can sometimes with, with your training. So tardiness, I guess it could be a big deal. Uh, it, I guess your, ask your instructor if, if it bothers them if you're, if you're running a little bit late sometimes. And, and, uh, but, you know, I also think if you're super serious about training, you're not late. This is something that's really important to you. I've never been late to work, uh, working eight years with the city here. Uh, never showed up late once. And that just shows that I'm pretty serious about that. I, it's not going to happen. Yes, it is early in the morning, and I have to get up with an alarm clock. But I'm not going to be late uh, to that. But am I occasionally late to jiu-jitsu? Absolutely. Because I still want to train, and just because it didn't match up perfectly with my schedule. So, don't be late. <laughs> this was a list of five. I, Gary, I don't, you know, usually we just kind of go around through it here. I don't think this is the, the probably not the five worst enemies of the BJJ fighter. Um, I, th- I don't know. I think they are. Some of them are really good. Some of them are. I really, I mean, you ego, know, the arrogance. E- you know, should, I think is a typical easy one to say. Oh yeah, they don't have too bad of an ego. Yeah, when you're starting, if your ego can't handle getting tapped out, uh, that's a pretty big enemy that you're gonna have to face. Uh, also, the idea that your jujitsu has to change over yep. time because you're getting older uh if you can't embrace that idea uh that's gonna be hard on you as a practitioner yeah. um i i do like be reliable too like you know I, some of that stuff uh, you know being reliable and never missing i thought was a little outrageous no matter what happens but you know being reliable not just for yourself but for your team i mean this is a team sport we're you're not going to get better if we don't have teammates to push us to get better, to show up to get better. So, um, you know, you're being reliable to get your own game better and your teammates better. So I, I think reliability and, and on top of that, the reliability, just kind of like what you were saying about going back to tardiness, because tardiness and reliability are kind of the same, but, you know, you've never missed a been late to work for, you know, in eight years. I mean, that's a, that's a huge a great trait to have not just for jiu-jitsu but for the real world you know and and that's the other part of jiu-jitsu it's not just to make us better on the mat it's really to make us better people um and i think being reliable is a is a great trait yeah i think i I guess you could do all these except for 
uh, not be repetitive and just translate them over to real world. Um, arrogance, keeping your word, uh, having gratitude or, you know, being ingrateful. Don't, don't do that. And uh, tardiness. Those all could help you in real life. So why not bring those over to uh, jujitsu as well? Yep. Hey, thanks for letting me speak on this, Master. <laughs> thanks for making it awkward, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link to this in the show notes that will be in your email inbox, I'm sure. And uh, check it out if you want to read the rest of it. All right, now we have a, hey, one new thing, uh, an announcement to make, Gary, before we get with our interview here. So, hold on, you haven't even let me know about this announcement, and you're going to make it without me being forewarned? I guess. This is uh, a lot of pressure on you there. Well, you are the master, so you can do what you want. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, I'm kind of glad we're only recording one episode this week, because I'm not getting <laughs> one to call uh, master for two episodes straight in a row. <laughs> But, Note uh, to self, uh, make sure I call Byron yeah. Master on episode 171. <laughs> um, we have a new segment at the end of the show here. We, uh, we're, we're looking to do some uh, kind of a, a fun and uh, educational segments, and, and one of them is going to be called The Referee's Corner uh, with David Karchmer. And David is going to be sent in questions, and he will be providing answers uh, regarding all things referee and rules-related and uh, we'll talk about that more after the show but, or after the uh, segment airs, but uh, kind of give you an idea of what we're looking for. But if you have a question about uh, refereeing or rules in general, uh, send it to us and we'll, uh, we'll send it to David and we'll get your answer on the air, hopefully. But uh, that'll be after the interview. So here we go with Dr. Jen Case. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He is such a polite driver, he always signals when he changes lanes. This often carries over to BJJ if he has been driving a lot. If you are careful to watch his left hand before he performs a sweep, you will see his fingers flick up or down to indicate which direction he is going to sweep. Just before he executes the sweep, he will check to make sure the mat is clear of other grapplers. He can sneak up on a ninja in daytime. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do... I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Dr. Jen Case to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Dr. Jen Case, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. I've heard quite a bit about you. Uh, you're really fairly close geographically to me compared to a lot of people that we have on this show and and. I uh, look forward to meeting you someday, hopefully soon. But uh, could you maybe give us a little introduction about who you are and what you're doing? Um, well, I'm uh, Jen, Dr. Jen Case. I'm currently located in Kansas City, Kansas. Um, I'm a black belt under Hanato Tavares, and I train um, here in Kansas City with Jason Burchard, who's a second-degree black belt under Hanato. Um, that's that's kind of the basics. What's your your educational history? Um, so I have my PhD in uh, human nutrition. Specifically, I look at nutrition and sport performance. Uh, I also am a registered dietitian, and I have a master's degree in sports studies, and my bachelor's degree was in athletic training. Wow. That, it's a great combo, a black belt, and then the education about uh, nutrition and, and sports performance. Uh, could you maybe tell us a little bit about what kind of a career you've had uh, with that education? Uh, basically, jujitsu has dictated my education because uh, when I first went to college, 
I went to Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas, and I was majoring in graphic design. And it's about my third year in, I stumbled into a karate school that had jujitsu happening in the back room. And I just absolutely fell in love with jujitsu. And I switched my major from graphic design to athletic training because I kept getting hurt and athletic trainers, you know, that's the sports medicine side. Um, and then after I finished that degree, I went on to KU to get my degree in sports studies because I wanted to learn more about the business side, uh, like running a gym and that sort of thing. And during that time is when I really started to get into doing the MMA fighting. And I realized that my training was awesome, but my nutrition was lacking. So I went to K-State for my PhD in nutrition. And during that time, I actually got paired up with the All-Army Combatives Team at Fort Riley. And I did uh, my dissertation was actually on using a higher protein diet as an alternative to traditional weight cutting practices. And the All-Army Combatives guys were my test subjects. And I did that uh, three years. I worked with those guys. And then from there, I went on to further get my RD because I started working with athletes, consulting with athletes. And I was finding that I was not able to work with certain athletes because they maybe had hypothyroidism or um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, things like that. So I got my dietetics uh, degree so I can now work with all athletes. And it just kind of all snowballed after I started jujitsu. Wow. Uh, I could tell already I'm in a little bit of trouble with um uh, the the terminology that you're able to use and uh, and, uh, and and that I'm able to pick up, but just uh, <laughs> could you d- describe a little bit more in depth some of the the classes that you were taking, maybe the ones that that really affect the way you think about jujitsu and and kind of uh, what you're able to learn and bring in uh, from some of those. I think anatomy because I I was I took anatomy as a student and then I also taught uh, functional anatomy when I was a professor. And when you learn the anatomy of the human body and where the muscles are, what they're supposed to be doing and what they're not supposed to be doing, it really helps you to understand how a submission is going to work and how it's not going to work. Wow. That's a, that's a good one for anyone. I, I know that anatomy is a, a tough class, but uh, yeah, that it's interesting to think about. You know, We're always uh, trying to break the body down and, and look at how it moves and look at how it uh, you know, can move in a bad way or a strong way or the way that the arm shouldn't bend or that sort of thing. So, yeah, that, I can see that being very interesting. Yeah, and it really, like, um, whenever I taught the functional anatomy or the kinesiology, we talked about passive insufficiency. So that's when you take a, a muscle or a joint through a certain range of motion where the muscle is not able to, able to fire as well or as strong, so it becomes weaker by just putting it in a certain position, and that can actually make your submissions a whole lot easier. Wow. You call that passive insufficiency? Could you uh, maybe give an example of, of, a, of a, a body position where that would be uh, in play? Um, the bicep is a really easy example. If your palm is facing up, your, all the different um, parts of your bicep are able to contract and fire, and it's really strong. But if you turn the hand around so the palm is facing down, now the bicep is in the passive insufficiency, and so it's a lot weaker. Okay. Yeah, I could just picture uh, trying to trying to curl away. You know, normally I'm not all that strong. And then if I turn my hand to my palm is facing down, I'm even, even more weak. So yeah. <laughs> that, that makes sense. And I imagine as you're, you're training and you're rolling and you're on the mat that you're trying to notice things uh, like this and how they could, how they can play. And you said you could get submissions easier by uh, noticing the way the body uh, moves or, or could be put into to kind of a spot where it's not as strong. Right. Right. So then you're not trying to fight against their muscle, right? You just turn the joint slightly 
and they're not able to be as strong. And so you're able to get them stretched out or put in a position where you need them a little bit easier. Oftentimes, Jen, we hear uh, comparisons of uh, black belt uh, in, in college or, or you know, education as, as a doctor, uh, but rarely do we have somebody who's both. Could you maybe make a comparison about like, you know, high school and a certain belt or a college and a belt? And uh, do you see any similarities with that? I do think that uh, earning your legit black belt is very much like earning your doctorate degree. Like it took me 10 years to get my doctorate degree, 15 years to get my black belt. So it actually took longer to get my black belt than it did to get my doctoral degree. Um, but once you get your doctorate, I'm considered, quote unquote, an expert in my field, but there's still so much for me to learn. I still am reading journal articles. I'm still researching topics. You know, your education does not stop once you become a Ph.D. And it's the same way now that I have my black belt. It's not like, oh, I have my black belt. I know all there is to know about jujitsu. Right. The very next day I walk into the gym and, and Jason does some crazy move on me. It's like, oh, well, I need to learn a defense to that. <laughs> so you never stop learning. You just have a really strong base once you get to the black belt or once you get your Ph.D. in a certain field. Wow. That, that's a great comparison. And it, uh, it's something to strive for. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, and, and I think most of us, we enjoy jujitsu, and it, it makes the, the 10, 15, 20 years go by uh, with a little bit more joy. Uh, school sometimes is a struggle, you know, it, trying to make myself study and do those sorts of things. It's it's a little funner to, to study about the uh, time on the mats. Yeah. Well, and in, in school, you know, you got to do the, the prereqs, you know, the foreign language and the arts and all that stuff. But jujitsu is the same way. I mean, you still have to eat right and you still should do a little bit of conditioning and weight training outside of the gym, which may not be as fun as submitting your friends, but it's still a vital part of the sport. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to get to talking with you about the eating right and, and weight training, but I want to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, what kind of a style of game do you play? Do you have certain techniques that you really prefer or certain positions you like to get into? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a smash style player, really heavy on top and uh, prefer to stay on top um, whenever possible. I do have some stuff I'll do from my back, but I'm definitely a top player. Do you have any uh, off-the-mat hobbies that you like to talk about? Uh, I lift weights. <laughs> I have a lot of pets. I really enjoy animals. I have two dogs, two cats, and a hedgehog. There you go. I'm familiar with the first two. I don't really know much about hedgehogs. <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> I, 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 you got me curious. Why Why does one have a hedgehog in... in uh... oh, I feel like she's my spirit animal. I don't know if you know this about hedgehogs, but they're kind of... They're solo animals. They don't really like to live in clusters. Uh, they don't have the best eyesight, so they're a little bit, you know, off balance. They tend to run into things or, or fall off of things. And uh, they have a bit of a prickly exterior, but their tummies are really soft. So... There we go, and you see uh, like comparisons to that. Oh yeah, or similarities. That's that's kind of fun. How I'm still just trying to grasp it. Can can you hold a hedgehog in your hand, or is it is you know how what's the size of a hedgehog? Uh, my hedgehog, she's only a half pound, so she's pretty wow. small as far as hedgehogs go. Okay, and yeah, you can hold her in your hand. I was thinking something a little bigger, but only half. That's why they're prickly, maybe, and and just to yeah. stay safe out there. It's a dangerous world for little hedgehogs. They're not nearly as fast as the Sonic one that I remember in the video games, I'd imagine. <laughs> I know. She hasn't spun around and found me any gold coins yet. <laughs> I keep waiting. I haven't, I haven't seen these gold coins appear. Uh, that, yeah, that's that's funny. Um, you, you mentioned, and I do want to get into a deeper conversation about uh, you know diet and nutrition and, and uh, exercise off the mat. Um, could you just 
give us a little intro about why it's important to, to focus on those things when you want to get your jiu-jitsu to be a little bit more serious? Uh, well, I think uh, as far as weight training goes, yes, I agree. You know, jiu-jitsu is not all about strength. You know, it's, all, it's about technique, which is why you see, you know, smaller individuals like Jason Bircher or Renato Tavares, you know, destroying larger opponents because their skill is awesome. But when you have two people of equal size and equal skill, then strength does come into play. So that's why I think it is important to kind of maximize your strength training. Your technique has got to be spot on. But if you're head-to-head with somebody and you're slightly stronger, you're going to have a little bit of an advantage over them. Yeah, and I think uh, cardio-wise, not getting tired during the match also has a similar effect. Yes, yeah. For me, since I'm a power, you know, more of a pressure player, being stronger is an advantage. But some of the other people who are just, you know, those people that never stop moving, the very fast, very flowy grapplers, for them, their cardio, you know, it's, it's the same thing. They've got to keep that stamina up if they want to continue with their game. Yeah. And ultimately, in a competitive match, both those could also play into the mental side where if, uh, you know, I, I give somebody my all, you know, we're going good halfway through and they're still going the same pace they were and I was expecting them to get tired, uh, that could be frustrating for somebody. Oh, yes. So what would be some things uh, that somebody could do uh, off the mat, kind of keeping it simple uh, to to pick up a little bit of strength training? Uh, you know, it doesn't have to get crazy. Uh, just your your basic powerlifting movements are all I really recommend. So that's going to be your bench press, squat, and deadlift. And then I would also throw in um, a pulling or rowing motion. So like bent over rows. If you're strong enough to do body weight pull-ups or even weighted pull-ups, that's a great thing to add in to work on developing your back because you're going to use those back muscles for a lot of different chokes. Those are all great. Um, can you run by bench press, uh, like a pull-up, squatting, deadlift? Is mm-hmm. that basically what you're recommending? That's Yeah, that, you don't have to get crazy because those are going to be the, the basic motions that you do. The bench press, anytime you're shrimping or trying to get out from under opponent, right, it's the same motion as a bench press. Uh, a deadlift, anytime you stand up inside somebody's guard, that's basically what you're doing is a deadlift. And then the, the squatting just helps with that driving forward momentum. Whenever you're either passing a guard or if you're trying to, you know, do any sort of forward momentum, you're going to utilize the same muscle groups that you do with squatting. Jen, how long would it take for somebody who is a, a pretty casual jiu-jitsu person? They do it a couple times a week. They do it for fun primarily. If they start lifting weights a few times a week as well, how long would they until they would notice a difference in what they're doing on the mats? probably about six weeks, not very, especially if they're a novice lifter, they're going to notice pretty quick. Adding the weightlifting has a pretty big impact pretty quickly on, uh, for, as far as results. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Yeah. Especially if they're, if they're brand new to lifting, it's going to be a new stimuli to their body. So their, their muscles are going to not necessarily increase in size quickly, but the, um, the neuromuscular control is going to become more efficient. So they're going to be able to produce more force very early on without gaining the, the size or, or the mass. So that that's great. If you know, we, we weigh in your weight is a, is a factor. You could, you could get a lot stronger and not necessarily gain a lot of weight is what you're telling me. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And really, I mean, if people, if I work with a lot of females and they're scared to lift weights because they don't want to look quote unquote bulky, but those individuals that are bulky and quite massive have to work extremely hard to get that size. They're not getting that size from lifting you know, two or three days a week, they're lifting six days a week, often 
twice a day. Wow. How would you recommend, as far as schedule-wise goes, somebody try to incorporate uh, a weight training program into their jiu-jitsu schedule? Uh, If possible, lifting four days a week would be great. But if they're only able to lift twice a week, that's like the bare minimum. In terms of which one I would do first, uh, I would try, if it's possible, to have your jiu-jitsu first in the day and then lift because the jiu-jitsu is going to take more of your focus, more uh, cognitive brain function, right? Because you got to be anticipating what somebody's going to do. How are you going to respond? What's going to happen in this situation, right? Versus lifting weights, lift, put weight down. Lift weight up, <laughs> put weight down, right? No thought is required. So if you're cognitively fatigued, you're less likely to get injured lifting weights versus doing jujitsu. That's a good point. Uh, one of the benefits of for jujitsu for me anyway is that it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, are, are there oh, yeah. are there little tricks people could do to make weightlifting uh, more fun than than it is when I, when I go? I don't do it quite you know real regularly because I don't have a great time doing it like I do jujitsu. So how can I make it a little bit more enjoyable? Get a buddy. Get a buddy. That's, you know, <laughs> that's that's all I could really recommend because. It, it, you lift a weight up, you put a weight down. There's nothing exciting about that. But if you're lifting with a friend, you get that social aspect and you have somebody holding you accountable to make sure you actually show up and train. There you go. So it's a great opportunity to uh, maybe, you know, figure out which one of your teammates are wanting to compete as well. Or if you want to, you know, do that and, and, and meet them up at the gym at a certain time and, and lift together and, and motivate each other to, to do better. Right. As far as diet goes, so we're kind of comparing jujitsu. Uh, nutrition and uh, weight training or, or off the mat training. How big of a factor is it that, that people eat healthy and, and eat uh, the right uh, foods to fuel their body? Huge. <laughs> right. We just had Thanksgiving not, not too long ago. <laughs> Christmas is going to happen here, you know, before this airs. How do you feel the day after Christmas? or the day after Thanksgiving, right? When you just had all that food, all the pie, the gravy, maybe some adult beverages, you go to get on the mat to roll and it's like sloth jitsu. You can barely move. You're sweating gravy out of all of your pores. (laughs) It's not a great training session. (laughs) Versus, right, in the summertime, you probably have some of your best training sessions because most of us aren't that hungry in the summer and we stick to lighter foods like sandwiches and, you know, not the big heavy meals that we have in the wintertime. You feel lighter, you move faster. Your sweat is actually just water, not gravy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You make a good point. I haven't really thought about summer living and summer eating as being a little healthier than the wintertime when we're all just kind of, for me, I get cooped up inside. It's too cold to go out and do a whole bunch of fun stuff. And I end up sometimes eating just because I'm bored. And and when I yeah. do that, the foods aren't that good. Uh, you know, they're delicious, but they're not that good for me. It seems like. Correct. Yeah, that's how most people are. So, if you were to kind of help somebody out who is, um, say, just say a blue belt, purple belt level, and they're wanting to compete, so uh, pretty competitive uh, divisions, but they they want a little bit more of an edge, and they want to clean up their diet. They just have the same diet they've been having their entire adult life. What what changes would you be looking to make? Uh, you know, it's not nothing crazy, you know, eating clean as simple as it sounds is really all you want to do. You want to focus on consuming lean proteins, which does not include bacon. Okay. So your, your things like your chicken, your turkey, your lean cuts of beef, 90, 10 or leaner. Um, and you want to try to eat your protein throughout the day. 
every three to five hours, have a little protein because you do not store protein in the human body. So if you don't consume it regularly, your body actually breaks down muscle tissue to get the needed uh, amino acids or what they're called to build proteins that are needed for uh, sustaining life functions. So you don't want that to happen. So you want to make sure you're taking in your lean protein every three to five hours, your carbs, those are things like your fruits, your pastas, that sort of stuff. You want to center it around your workout window, have some good healthy carbs before you go in and train, about two, three hours before you go train. And then as soon as you get home from training, have a nice, good, you know, big bowl of pasta or sandwiches, things like that. Because post-workout is when your body is going to use those carbs to replenish your glycogen stores, which is a storage form of carbohydrate in the human body. And when your glycogen stores are higher, your exercise performance the next day is better. So that's when you really want to take in your carbs. And, you know, depending on what time you get done with practice, if you're able to have a second meal after you get done training, make sure that one's nice and high in carbs as well. With your fats, you do want to take in lots of healthy fats, your unsaturated fatty acids, your polyunsaturated fatty acids like omega-3 and omega-6. You want to take those in away from your workout window. So if you work out in the evening, you want to have some good healthy fats with your breakfast and lunch. Not so much in the evening because it'll slow down that rate of digestion, which slows the delivery of nutrients to those muscles that are either getting ready to work or just got done working. Let's kind of break it down a little bit for me here. Um, I'm going to train in the evenings. Uh, Get up in the morning. I want uh, something fairly healthy for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Would like uh, like mixed nuts or some sort of healthy protein? Would eggs, those sort of things, be a good thing? Am, am I? Yeah, both. Okay, I would do I would do egg whites and you know big handful of mixed nuts and start in vegetables. Always throw in your vegetables. Vegetables are great because they're low in calories and they add volume, which kind of helps keep you full throughout the day, so you don't snack. Yeah, that and and uh, that is another one of my problems is the is the snacking. You mentioned eating a protein every three to five hours. Are we talking about a, like mm-hmm. a protein shake or protein bar, or do you like to uh, do you recommend like actual you know foods that like chicken or beef or fish or those sorts of things? For me personally, I eat actual food. Okay, because shakes don't fill me up. I can, I can slam a thirty gram protein shake and still be hungry, right? Versus thirty grams of Protein in terms of food would be about four ounces of cooked meat. I eat four ounces of cooked meat. I'm pretty full. I'm good for a few hours. And then you're eating. Um, so I didn't. So what would a what would a lunch look like in in this sort of thing when I eat that breakfast and then I'm working out in the evening? What would a, a good lunch that would help get me ready to to get on the mats? Um, I would eat you know some sort of chicken. I eat a lot of chicken just because it's really easy to prepare and it's not that expensive. <laughs> So um, I probably have like chicken, some greens. I like to eat the the California medley, the frozen ones. It's got the broccoli, cauliflower, and carrots all mixed together because it's easy and I'm lazy. Um, at lunchtime, if I'm working out in the evening, I may throw, might throw a little bit of carbs in, nothing crazy, you know, like half a cup of rice, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, some healthy fats, maybe a little olive oil on top of your vegetables, that sort of thing. Okay, that sounds that sounds reasonable. Like they they could uh, like you say keeping it easy and and, and healthy at the same time. Um, working out at six thirty, do I want to eat you know before that much or should I just yes. kind of be a little hungry? Yeah. Okay. So if you had lunch at noon, I would eat again at like four. Um, again, having your you know three four ounces of lean protein, and then this time I'd amp up amp up the carbs to at least a cup to a cup and a half 
of rice or whatever type of carb you like to consume, depending on your size. Okay. And then uh, go work out, uh, you get home. It's a little late, you know, it's, it, we're, we're pushing eight thirty or so in the evening. Is that a good time to eat or, or do I need to? Yep. Okay. What would that, what would that so, yeah. You want to eat that meal would be two to three cups of carbs, your healthy proteins and your vegetables. Okay. Uh, the whole myth about, you know, don't eat right before bed is going to make you fat is complete BS. Okay. You're about ready to go into hopefully an eight hour fast. Hopefully you sleep for eight hours or longer and you just got done training. So all of your glycogen stores are depleted. If you do not replenish those and you go straight to bed, your body is going to start really breaking down the skeletal protein because a, you didn't consume any protein. So there's no free amino acid circulating and B, you don't have any glycogen. The only thing the body can use to make carbs is protein. Your body lacks the chemical process necessary to turn fat into carbs. So you're really going to be having a lot of catabolic, a lot of muscle breakdown occurring while you sleep versus if you eat that high carb, moderate protein meal right after training, you're supplying your body with those amino acids and with those carbohydrates. So you have a lot of anabolic or muscle building activity occurring while you sleep. Okay. And then back up in the morning and hopefully do the same thing and uh, repeat the process. Correct. Um, so this is all great, maintaining training, but uh, a lot of people want to cut some weight before they compete. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? You can. That's fine. Earlier in the day is the time to focus on keeping your carbs a little bit lower to keep your calories lower. Right before you work out and right after you work out, you need to focus on performance. What's going to enhance the next day's performance? Because if you don't eat enough carbs, you're going to be exhausted. You're not going to be able to train. You can't train. You can't burn calories. Okay, but what would it, how would the diet? Uh, let's say I'm I'm 170 now. I want to get to to, to 160 in a month, and then I want to actually weigh in uh, yeah 150. And then is that something that you think is a smart plan, or is that kind of pushing it too hard? Not for jujitsu, because okay. with jujitsu you either have to weigh in the day of, or if you're doing IBJJF, right? It's mat side weigh in. Yeah. So when you're weighing in that close to when you compete, I do not recommend a water cut. Okay. Now, if you have you know 24 hours, that's a different story. You can drop 5% of your body weight, weigh in, and still have time to rehydrate and refuel before you compete. So that's just not an option with jiu-jitsu. So if you're able to weigh in the day before, uh, it kind of opens up that window to, to drop, drop yeah. that water weight uh, and let you rehydrate. Yeah. Are, there, are there foods that for the water weight drop, uh, foods that you should avoid or, or that you could eat that would uh, help you um, with that? The, the biggest thing with the water weight drop is timing. Uh, a lot of people that I've worked with, they start it way too soon. Okay? If you're wanting to drop water, you only want to do that about 24 to 36 hours before you compete. So what I'm talking about is when people stop drinking water. You, you don't want to do that a week or even, you know, two or three days before the event starts because your body, the reason why a water drop works is because you've stopped drinking water, but your urine production is still high. And if you do that water drop two to three days beforehand, you've negated that process. Your urine production has acclimated to your amount of fluid intake. And so you don't see that big drop versus if you do it 24 hours beforehand, you're still urinating out as much as you were when you were drinking higher quantities of water 
but now you're not drinking that water, so you're excreting more than you're taking in. Okay. Is this something that could be practiced? I mean, if 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 I myself as an adult, I haven't ever cut weight before, and here we go, I'm thinking about cutting weight, do I just do it that day? Or a month out, should I try it and test it on my body and see how I react and yeah. could I get better? Yeah, I would try it out just to see. Because like myself, I know that I cramp really bad. So I know kind of, I can't do a really hard water cut. Even when I was doing MMA, I still couldn't do it just because I cramp up so bad. So you kind of want to test it out and see how your body responds. And it's not that bad. It really isn't. You can, what I'm saying is not that bad is the water cut. <laughs> uh, but if you do any kind of other extreme weight cut, yeah, it does suck. If you do the saunas and stuff like that, which I do not recommend. But yeah, if you want to try it out, kind of see, you know, say uh, on Monday, you want to try this out at Friday's practice, right? So Monday through Wednesday, just be drinking lots of water, you know, drink whatever you would normally drink, drink that plus 50%. Throughout the day, don't do it all in one sitting. You don't want to have hyponatremia, uh, but just kind of increase your water intake for those first three days. Thursday, drink just enough water, you know, to get your food down. Same thing on Friday, and then weigh in at Friday's practice, see how you feel, do the class, you know, just try it out, see what you think, see if you like it, see if it's just not something that works for you. Yeah, and I think that that's a way to kind of cut some stress if you've done it a few times. You know, you've got uh, maybe a tournament you're worried about, a little nervous about, and on top of that, Let's try to cut weight for the first time or, or you know, for the third time and, and add that stress to you as well, and you may not make your weight. Um, so just kind of to practice that aspect, I think, helps helps you feel a little bit more comfortable. Right, right. You mentioned that uh, sometimes you get cramps when, you, when you're cutting weight. Um, sometimes people, people are just more prone to having uh, cramps in their body. Uh, could you... What advice do you have somebody who who typically like when they're doing a, a triangle choke their their calf will cramp up or just they're constantly dealing with their body kind of failing them in that aspect? Uh, if you find yourself cramping a lot, you may want to check your water. You might not be drinking enough water throughout the day. Um, and also, if you're not a big fruit and vegetable eater, you may want to consider taking a multivitamin, multi-mineral supplement because you could be low in potassium or magnesium. Both of those are kind of culprits when it comes to muscle cramping. Okay. That, that, that's good to know. And, and it seems that some people are more prone to it than others, and that probably just is related to diet less than their particular body. Yeah, their diet and then kind of their muscular makeup can okay. have an effect on it as well. Yeah, I, I know that could be frustrating for people who are who are on the mat doing good, and then suddenly they've got to deal with that, and it kind of derails things. <laughs> yes. Um, you, you briefly mentioned the importance of sleep. Can you maybe address this a little bit more and, and how that will affect us um, short-term and long-term? Uh, basically, the big thing about sleep is that's when your body recovers and repairs itself. So when you think about training, you want to consider fatigue management and how you can best do that. Because you know if you get overly tired, you increase your risk of injury, you increase the chances of getting burnt out and just not wanting to train and losing the love of that sport. And one of the big things that people overlook, especially with how busy we are nowadays, is they think they can run on four or five hours of sleep. And your body just can't do that. You need, you know, the recommendation is seven to nine hours, depending on the individual. And that's just going to give your body time to repair itself after you get done training that day so that you can train the next day. It seems, for me anyway, I, I get home, it's kind of late, I have to get up and, and work in the morning. How do How do I go from... Uh, walking in the door, you know, getting a shower, 
eating and then to bed quickly and, and be able to be rested. Is that, is that just a challenge I'm always going to struggle with? Yeah, it is. I mean, you might want to incorporate things to help kind of relax it a little bit, like stretching, you know, maybe listening to some calming music, that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, you're going to, you're going to have trouble with it because your adrenaline's still pumping from class and now you're trying to go to sleep. One thing you can do is not stress about getting to sleep right away. Right. Cause if you're home, you're like, Hey, I gotta sleep. I gotta get to sleep right now. You're not going to get to sleep. <laughs> right. So just try and do relaxing activities when you get home and trying to, you know, bring yourself down a little bit, calm down some from that exciting practice. Yeah. Just not make a big deal of it. It's, it's hard to, to make yourself relax. I can't relax. I'm too stressed about trying to relax and you end up, uh, <laughs> <laughs> end up at three in the morning and I haven't slept at all. So <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's good advice about just kind of, uh, putting yourself in a calm environment. I think a little bit of that routine will help as well. Yes, definitely will. You know, and do the things like that have always been recommended, right? Eat your dinner, not in your bedroom, right? Limit the bedroom to just sleeping. Maybe not have a TV in there so that all you do is sleep in there so that, you know, your body gets used to that environment being sleeping environment. That's good advice. Uh, Jen, you also have done uh, some women's only seminars. You actually have one coming up here in in Wichita in a little while. Could you tell us a little bit about what got you into those and and, and your goals with uh, doing ladies only seminars? Um, it's really it's twofold. One is you know try to get new ladies interested in jujitsu, um, and also just to get the other part of it is just to get the ladies together so we can train. Uh, I have no problem training with men. You know I started back in two thousand and one where there were no women. When I did tournaments, I competed in the men's bracket. There were no ladies. Um, so it's not like I have a thing against guys. They're great. Love choking them. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> but it's kind of nice, especially with um, our ladies that are brand new to the sport, to be able to come and not have all the guys around. Because it can be a little overwhelming. I remember my very first class. I was 19 years old. Uh, I grew up in a small farm town. So, you know... You got that whole environment. Now I'm in the big city in Topeka, and the first move we're going to learn is a triangle choke. So you have some guy, he was in his 30s, I'm 19 years old, some guy's telling me he's going to get between my legs, and I'm supposed to throw my legs around his head, right? That's a little awkward. So it's kind of nice if we have the ladies-only environment where you can, you know, start learning jujitsu, then go to the co-ed class and start choking out the guys. It's also really nice for the more experienced ladies to get the chance to roll against people they're going to be going against in competition. Guys and girls roll slightly different. So it's kind of nice if all you're training with is guys to get a weekend to come and roll against some females to get more comfortable with some of the the ways their body moves slightly different from the male body and get used to that before you jump into the tournament and they're like, oh, crap, you don't grapple like any of my training partners. What is the format of the seminar? Is it technique and then tra- training, or is it mostly technique and, and pretty formal? Um, this last one we did, it was about an hour and a half of technique and then about 30 minutes of rolling. And the rolling, I think, was just short just because I was two hours and everybody was tired <laughs> by that point because, you know, they'd been, they, we did pretty motivated drilling sessions. There wasn't a lot of time to relax and chit-chat. They were pretty motivated the whole time. And are you showing uh, things that that are good for new people or are people who got quite a bit of experience getting uh, details as well? Uh, I try to keep it pretty simple because uh, with this last seminar, we did have about a dozen brand new, never done jujitsu before first time in a gym. So I want to, I, I did a turtle series 
so that the people who are more advanced, there were little nuances I really wanted to point out and have them focus on. But then the general movement was something that a beginner could pick up on and start learning how to work their way through it. And to get a dozen people who have never done jiu-jitsu into a seminar, are they are their friends bringing them in, or, or how are they how are they finding this? I think most of them came with friends. Um, two of the other girls that I trained with, Lindsay and Amanda, they're in charge of all the promotion and public relations and all of that, mainly because I'm too shy to actually go out and talk to anyone. So those ladies are the ones that recruit people and get them to come to the seminars. Okay, that sounds like a, like a good mix, and it, it's definitely. Uh, helping to grow uh, jiu-jitsu in the area there. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was, a, you know, it was, it was a really great turnout, and we're looking for another really good turnout in Wichita. So we're excited to keep doing these. Yeah, uh, we're excited to to have you uh, do this here in Wichita and, and help our uh, uh, ladies jiu-jitsu grow uh, here as well. And looking forward to getting some new uh, people on the mats that that are trying it for the first time. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, I really. I obviously love jujitsu. I couldn't imagine my life without it, but I think it's a really great sport for all ladies, especially the, the kids, the young ladies to get into just because it helps to make them more aware of their body, help to build up their self-confidence. You know, plus it's just a really fun way to burn calories and you get choke people. <laughs> and you get to choke people, which is, which is always good. Uh, you, you mentioned kind of like your first class, you're, you're young and, and you're trying to learn a triangle choke and it's weird. It's, it's a bit of a, uh, odd situation you find yourself in. Can you maybe uh, talk about a couple of hurdles you've had to get past uh, during your training? Um, you know, I've actually been really lucky uh, with the gyms that I've trained in. Um, starting from my first gym in Topeka with Steve Twimlow. Uh, Steve had daughters, so he was pretty respectful of me being a female. Uh, and he's actually the one who met Jason Bircher and sent me up there. And even though the guys make their dirty jokes and stuff, uh, there was only a couple times where I felt like kind of targeted as a female. Uh, but, you know, even then, if Jason saw it, he kind of stepped in. So it was I had a really good experience going through my jujitsu time, never really being um, targeted or bullied for being the only female in a male dominated sport. I know some other girls may have different stories for you, but um, like I said, my guys have been great. I've trained in Topeka with Steve Twimlow. And then I went to Kansas City while I was getting my graduate degrees. And I, I trained with Jason Bircher there. And then I went to Manhattan and trained with Joe Wilk and his team there at Combative Sports Center. Those guys were great. My first job was up in Iowa. And I, I trained uh, at a Jeff Curran school there under Greg Hauser. And he was awesome. His whole team was great. So I've been really lucky to not have too much of that testosterone experience. Uh, it may be a little different since I am. Uh, I'm a 175-pound competitor, so I'm a little bit bigger. And I can, you know beat up the boys, which is, I think kind of helps keep them from being like, oh, she's just a little girl. But you can think, oh, I'm just a little girl, and then I'll hand you your arm to carry off the mat. So that may have helped my experience differ a little bit from some of the, you know, 115, 120-pound ladies who, you know, they can their, their technique is going to be awesome, but they're going to be at a deficit going against 200-pound male. Yeah. That, it's just it, the way it is. It might be a little tougher at the start if... Uh... Yeah. You mentioned, yeah, sometimes there's jokes and things, and and a lot of times jujitsu, it seems like we're just a bunch of friends hanging out that are happen to be you know training as well. And oh, yeah. People might be getting a little carried away with with things, and it sounds like you've been fortunate that uh, surrounding yourself by good people that even when that does happen, they kind of hey guys, you know, kind of step in there and and uh, kind of get rid of that before it gets too carried away. Yeah, you, you, so I'm thinking a lot of it, just knowing that it's just jokes. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, sometimes people uh, they just try to be funny. They don't mean to be, you know, super absurd or, or rude about things. They're, just, they're saying what they think will be will be funny, and they just lack the ability to be funny without insulting other people. I always just make fun of myself, and if somebody has a problem with that, well, <laughs> I just make fun of this guy. I got you know that's easy for me. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned that for you, maybe it was a little easier journey. Well, not easier because you started. I see the difficulty in your journey because you started so early on and there probably weren't very many women training compared to the way they are now, but you were uh, physically stronger than, uh, than, than most women and, and, and hanging in there definitely uh, with, with the guys, uh, you know, you weren't, you weren't 115 pounds kind of getting pushed around. What advice did you have for the, the girl who is, who's rather new uh, and, 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 and light uh, in weight and, and, and wanting to, to get in there on the mat and, and, and to feel good about it? I think the biggest thing is to, you know, demonstrate that you're there to train, right? Um, you know, the biggest pet peeve I have is girls that show up that are obviously there to just sleep with one of the guys on the team. That's it. That's all they're there for. You know, if that's what you're there for, go to the club, keep it out of the gym. If you're at the gym, be there to train, you know, whether you're 105 pounds or 305 pounds, if you're there, you're there to train, you get your uniform on, wear a rash guard, Hey, you don't wear just a sports bra. This is a contact sport. You don't want anything slipping out, right? Keep yourself covered. Get on the mat. Train hard. You know, if you want to flirt with one of the guys, do it somewhere else. Don't do it at the gym. You're there to train. Yeah, and then hopefully uh, the guys will see that, uh, you know, the, the value in you as a training partner and, the, and they're there for, to train as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always. Oh, that's, that's my biggest thing. Yeah. But uh, as far as being frustrated on the mat and and really not, uh, I know there's there's a time when you start just you feel like you thought it'd be easier than it's going to be. This is really hard. It's not working. They're showing me an armbar and I, <laughs> my armbar doesn't work. That's when you start. I, I had that feeling last week. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. Everybody feels that way. You know, even the people that you look at, and you're like, oh, they totally got it together. No, everybody gets frustrated. You know, and. If you're getting frustrated, ask one of the upper belts. And it doesn't have to be a black belt. You know, uh, I've got some purple belts that I talk to that have just, their way their mind works is phenomenal. Because I'll approach them with a problem I've been having, and they'll be like, well, have you tried this? And it's like, no, I never thought to move my body that way. So, you know, don't feel like you have to internalize that frustration. Talk to your teammates. See if they've got any suggestions for you. Yeah, that, that's good advice to rely on the, on the team as a whole, not just the the instructor on the top of that, you know, you, you do learn a lot from your teammates. Oh yeah. Especially, and talk to people with different body types, you know, not just people that are built just like you talk to the, you know, the lanky guy or the short guy, you know, you know, whoever it may be, the skinny guy, those bendy ones, they sometimes have good ideas. Sometimes their bodies just move in ways mine never will, but you never know until you talk to them and see how they would address a certain situation. Yeah. Uh, Trying to, Put myself in the in the situation of, of somebody who is that 115 pounds and 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 new at jiu-jitsu. Uh, what advice do you have to kind of uh, smooth things over and make the training not so miserable? Try new things. Don't be afraid. You're going to get submitted. Understand that when you walk through the door, you're going to get submitted every night. You're going to get submitted. You're going to get submitted multiple times, but. If you start trying things, in a month or two, maybe you'll finally start submitting people. But if all you do is, you know, lock somebody up in your garden, just 
lock your legs as tight as you can until they burn out, nothing's ever going to change. But if you open up your guard and you try a timing sweep or a scissor sweep, maybe it fails. Maybe it works, right? Don't be afraid to try things. You're going to get submitted. It's fine. You slap hands, you go again. It's not that big a deal. Don't be afraid to open up and try new things. Yeah, that, that's great advice. And and I think that's, that's one advantage maybe that uh, the smaller competitors have versus the big uh, bulky gym guy that comes in. Uh, people want to test themselves against the bigger guy sometimes and it gets a smaller person they're a little less intimidated and they're just they're they're a little bit more happy to 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 be more playful maybe right but another thing for the the smaller uh competitors male or female if you go into a gym and it just feels like you're just endlessly getting beat up like you're trying the new things you're doing anything that you should be doing but it's just it's not fun it hurts you're not you know psychologically just doesn't feel like things are clicking with that particular team, maybe try a different team. Cause unfortunately there are some gyms out there that are not great training environments, you know? So try different gyms in your area, find one that's a good fit for you. Don't feel like, Oh, I walked in this door. I have to stay with this team. You got to find the one that works best for you. Yeah. that That's good advice. You got to, if you're in the wrong environment, it's going to be really hard to, to develop your jujitsu. Yeah, and, and it might be a great environment for somebody, but for you, we're looking for the right environment for you, and it might be uh, right. a little further down the road. Yeah, and you know, here in Kansas City, we've got a lot of good gyms, uh, but some of the gyms here are just more MMA-focused, and you know every night when you go in that door, somebody's going to be trying to take your head off and just go 110%. And, you know, I'm in my mid-30s now. That's not the environment I want. I'm going to go in. I want to have good competition, but, you know, I don't want to get hurt. I'm old. I want to walk in the door and be able to walk out the door under my own power. I want to have a good time and have good roles. And, you know, Kansas City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the perfect place for me. Oh, you just got to find that right fit for you. Yeah. Uh, so you do these um, uh, ladies-only seminars, and a lot of people bring friends in. Uh, so let's say that somebody's bringing their friend in. What, what advice do you have for their friend, you know, or what should I be telling my friend? Hey, I want you to come in and check out this, this seminar uh, to make the, her expectations be uh, in the right spot. Um, just, you know, be relaxed. Uh, realize there's going to be people inside your personal space. You know, it's, this is a very close contact sport. Uh, you're going to feel silly. Things are going to feel awkward. Just relax and have fun with it. Don't feel like you got to be perfect. Just have a good time. Yeah, that that is good advice. If you could uh, manage to do that, you might be able to find uh, some joy in it, which will keep you uh, coming back. Yeah. Whenever I teach, uh, I used to teach at the colleges. I would teach some self-defense classes and things like that to the sororities or different classes or things like that. Before I even started, I made everybody hug each other. Just so they get over that personal space. Because in jujitsu, you got to get over that because you're going to be all up in each other's business. Yeah, that, that that's an interesting way to, to kind of break that uh, tension or, or break that awkwardness. You know, everybody just get a get a hug. You know, and uh, you're teaching a group of people that didn't sign up for jujitsu. They they just want to learn a little bit of self defense and kind of break that uh, personal space early on, and and they're okay. You know, <laughs> that's I, I like yeah. that. It's an interesting way to do that. Maybe we could start jujitsu classes with a hug if if everybody's a new student. Everybody students. hug. <laughs> Half of them end up getting put to sleep by a choke anyway. I was going to say half of them, as soon as they touch, they're just going to start grappling right away. Uh, Jen, uh, I kind of want to take a look 
at your personal story a little bit here. Uh, what frustrated you at the beginning, you know, of your training, maybe the first year or two, and, and how did you get get past that? Oh man, it was so long ago. <laughs> um, I think the hardest thing in the beginning was just I didn't get to compete very much. That's one of the reasons I did MMA is just so I could compete. I just wanted to grapple, you know, because in the gym, all I was grappling against, uh, back then that was when I was 19, 20, I was only 150 pounds in my smaller days and all the guys were 200 plus pounds. So I was getting smashed a lot. You know, I, I hadn't learned how to properly lift yet. So my lifting wasn't great. So I wasn't as strong as I am now. And so I got manhandled and that was really frustrating. And so I really just wanted to grapple against people, females, my own size, because even 150 pound boy versus 150 pound girl. Um, I was not super lean. <laughs> I you know, so I had, you know, a little bit more body fat on me than my male counterparts. So it was just different. Um, and so that was, that was frustrating that I didn't get the chance to roll against uh, people, my own size, but at the same time that did force me to become more creative with how I was rolling, um, focus on how can I become stronger to overcome that strength deficit. So it, in the end, it helped my game. But it definitely was frustrating for in the in the beginning to just just be manhandled so bad. It, it sounds that sounds like a, a frustrating experience. I'm glad you uh, found ways past that, <laughs> and, and you got <laughs> to where you are today. Uh, Jen, I'm kind of looking at your career. Just you started at 19. Uh, you have a PhD. What advice do you have for somebody who's going to school full time and trying to get as much time as they can on the mats? You know, get in twice a week. If that's, you know, if you can get in more, that's great. Uh, but don't stress about it because when you go to jujitsu, that should be your fun time, right? School is the serious time. That's when you have to be a grown up and focus on stuff. But when you go to jujitsu, that's your time to decompress, to relax and just have a good time. So don't make showing up to class be a stressful situation. You know, if you can show up twice a week or more, that's awesome. But if you miss practice, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, that, that's good advice. Um, school school is a big focus. It's expensive. It's a limited time of your life. Uh, maintain jujitsu if you can. You know that twice a week is a good number if you can maintain that, and and you'll continue to grow a little bit slower than you probably would like. But yeah, you know it's it's getting you in there and it kind of breaks your day up a little bit and let your brain rest from the bookwork and let you, let it work a little bit on the mats. Yeah, well, and you, you get a shift in environment. You know, having been a student and then a professor, the academic world, I know it's going to surprise you, is extremely different from the gym, <laughs> right? Everybody's so serious in academia, but you go in the gym and you just get a let loose, say inappropriate things, you know, just have fun. Uh, what would be a good goal for a student during their first year of training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I think a good goal would just to become familiar with the basic positions in your first year, if you can figure out, okay, I'm in guard now. What are, what are some things that maybe I should be doing? Oh, okay. This is side control. What are some things that I, you know, and you're not going to master anything. You're not going to be proficient at a single move after your first year. Right. But if you're aware of this is mount here, are maybe some things I could try. This is back mount. Here are some things I should try. Here are some things I shouldn't do. Like I shouldn't cross my ankles and I shouldn't overly extend this arm. Right. So just becoming aware of what the different positions are and maybe start playing with some different moves. But don't feel like, oh, I'm done with year one. I should be proficient at a basic arm bar because you're not going to be yet. But you can be like, okay, I am knowledgeable at knowing what position I'm in and where I could maybe throw an arm bar from. 
that's a good goal. Yeah, it it's not uh, like you, like you say you're not going to you're going to master anything. You're going to learn about it, explore it, and 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 have some understanding, and uh, slowly get better at it. Uh, you're you're in a interesting situation teaching these seminars that have a lot of new students, and you get to see people uh, that are on the map for the first time. Uh, can you maybe highlight a couple of reasons why somebody typically comes in uh, to the mat for the first time as a woman? What were they looking for? Uh, and I, why are they there? I think a lot of them just follow their friends in because, you know, as you get more into jujitsu, it starts to take over your life and you talk about it a lot. And so people start to hear, you know, how much fun you're having. And if you've had a significant weight loss from jujitsu, they'll see that. I think those are the two things. They're either looking for a new way to lose weight or they've just heard how much fun other people are having and they want to get involved too. Very rarely do I see women that are coming in because um, they've been abused or something like that. It's, it's not as common of a reason. Is that just that they're finding other things to, to deal with that or they're just not dealing with it? Or is – why do you think yeah, that, that's the I really don't – I really don't know for sure um, what's happening there. Uh, in karate, and when I did Hawaiian Kempo, that was the karate system I did, uh, every now and then we'd have a woman come in who was actually needing um, some sort of self-defense or thing, things like that. But in jiu-jitsu, you know, maybe it's just too close, too intimate of a sport for them. You know, I, I have no degrees in psychology, so I have no idea, <laughs> but that just doesn't seem to be a, a determining factor for why they come in. Okay, just more of a... Uh, social, my friends doing it. I want to try it, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's really doing something fun for her, or something positive in her life, and that's why uh, why I'm willing to try this for the first time. Right. Yep. So that's a good thing to remember if you're trying to to nudge your friend to come on in, uh, maybe stress the fun aspect of it, and 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 that sort of thing. Versus, you know, you could beat somebody up. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a fun way to work out. It's a good advertisement. Well, and if I bring new people in, like if I'm bringing in someone who wants to try for the first time, I keep them away from the mat bullies because we all have them and we all know who those people are at the gym who just, they just go nuts on every roll. So if I'm bringing in a new person, I will not let one of the crazies roll with them. I make sure that all their first rolls are safe rolls with people that are going to keep it light and fun for them. This always confuses me why uh, somebody would, would mat bully a, a new student, especially one that's not particularly intimidating. I, I understand a blue belt uh, looking at like the bodybuilder person and saying, okay, this is going to be, you know, epic match, you know, and, and really going hard against that person. But, you know, a blue belt, pro belt, or anybody higher uh, bullying a new person, what's going on? I don't understand why, why people will do that. I mean, I know it happens, but um, you have any thoughts about just the idea of, of, of mat bullies and maybe how to uh, calm them down a little bit? Uh, you know, like, like I said, I have no degrees in psychology. The human mind baffles me. Uh, I would assume that they feel weak in some other part of their life, so they want to feel strong there. You know, I don't know, maybe they were bullied as a child. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, it is hard to deal with those people, especially if you try to explain to them what they're doing. A lot of times they get defensive, and it becomes a whole big fiasco. So yeah, I, I, uh, I do not have a good answer for that. If some other person does i would love to hear it <laughs> yeah i i think you might be right but like maybe something in the in their in their past maybe they had a tough time uh on the starting on the mats and they just think that's the way it should be for everybody i don't know 
But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing to see somebody come in the first day and just getting destroyed and, and unmotivated and, and frustrated. Those are all, they're going to get, you know, frustrated either way, especially when they have no experience on the mats. Uh, try, try, I like to let them get kind of good at it before you really give them hard rolls. It's a little bit more entertaining yeah. and, and they actually can appreciate a little bit more. Well, there's, uh, you know, there's no real point when they don't know what they're doing. It's not, it's not like you accomplish something, you know, yeah. when you hit them on an arm bar, it's like, it's, I didn't trick you. I didn't get to mess with your head. This isn't, this isn't as much fun. Yeah. So it's a little more fun for me if they've been there for a few months and they're starting to try stuff, then it gets to be more fun. Yeah, that that that's true, and 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 it just maybe the the short sightedness of of the the Matt Bully wanting to do something right away uh, versus what yeah. somebody gets better to to try it out. So I don't know. <laughs> well, Jen, I know you're coming to Wichita, Kansas, in, in a little while here. Uh, wh- what are your plans? What's the what's the date for this? So uh, it'll be Saturday, February fourth. I'll be at Fox Fitness from ten to 11.30 to do a ladies-only uh, seminar. Uh, it will be free. I think we're going to take some donations if anybody wants to donate to the Humane Shelter there or um, oh, there's a women's group there. Um, but the actual admission to the event is totally free for ladies. Um, come in at 10, and we'll go over another cool series of techniques. While I'm in town, I'm not opposed to, you know, coming in and training with the guys. I'll be happy to beat them up if anybody wants to you know, get in some rolling with me and that sort of thing. Uh, but that'll be the weekend of the 4th, that I'll, February 4th, that I'll be in town. Oh, that sounds great. And uh, we'll be sure to put information for that on the website. Uh, you're here for more than just that, that one day. You're here for the weekend, what it looks like? I think we're going to come down Friday and then head back Sunday, I think, is our current plan for that weekend. All right. Well, I'm happy. And hopefully I'll get uh, to get in line to get beat up on a little bit there, Jen. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring one of those number dispensers. <laughs> I'd like the new ones that, that text you in this time so I could go out and, and just relax and then I get the, hey, you're next in line and then I'll come on in. The, the new <laughs> system is nice. It sounds good. Jen, I appreciate your hard work, um, you know, on the mat and, and in the Jiu-Jitsu community and helping uh, to grow it, especially amongst the ladies. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, we'll just keep seeing more and more ladies showing up to the local tournaments. And the big national tournaments as well. Absolutely. It seems like it's, it's growing. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or words for the audience? Start, start jujitsu now. All right. Well, Dr. Jen Case, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and, and, and thank you for, uh, for joining us on the podcast. All right. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Dr. Jen Case for the interview. Uh, looking forward to meeting her soon. She's coming to Wichita, and uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, she's doing a women's-only seminar, but I think before that... It'll be fun to get on the mat with her and, and do a little bit of training and give it up a little bit. So that'll be a good time here in uh, Wichita. So uh, really great to meet her over the uh, airwaves, I guess, before we get to meet her in person. Yep. Hey, and uh, speaking of Wichita, if you ever happen to come through the Midwest, uh, we're right here in Wichita, Kansas. Send us an email, bjjbrick at gmail.com, and we'd love to train or you know point you in the right direction of where to train. Um, so definitely it'd be fun to fun to work out with you. Gary, we've got a lot of things going on. We're growing the BJJ Brick uh, brand, I guess you could say. Uh, the, the podcast is by far the strongest uh, going segment of the BJJ Brick Wait, wait, Network. wait. I think I was the strongest. That's true. My bench press, wait, my bench press, I think, is more than yours, Master. 
Yours is more. Yours is considerably more than than mine. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm up to seventy five pounds. Byron's only is sixty eight. I'm I'm chasing you uh, on that one, Gary. But uh, our next biggest area of the uh, internet, bjjbrick.com, it will be our YouTube channel. Uh, putting up uh, stuff weekly, if not more than weekly, doing reviews and and uh, you know answering questions that viewers or listeners have uh, on YouTube. It's kind of a fun way that we've been uh, growing. It's definitely not uh, taken off quite like the podcast has, but we haven't put as much work into it. But we are ramping that up and hope to get videos, including Gary, someday in there as well. But uh, that's yet to be seen, but soon to be uh, happening, we hope. Yep, last time we, we attempted to do that, I too many of the girls went crazy when they saw me on, on video. So we, we kind of stopped that. It's not they're not crazy for unsubscribing. That's just what they do. That's the normal reaction. <laughs> uh yeah, my reaction uh uh is not very good. Somebody <laughs> sees me the first time. Um all right, Gary, we talked about it a little bit before the interview. Uh, we have a new segment here, so here we go. Now it is time for the referee corner with David Silverfox Karshmer. The Silver Fox is a BJJ black belt that has refereed over 3,000 matches. Gi and no gi, kids and adults from white belt to black. And now he answers your questions. From a referee's point of view, what is a common mistake that a competitor makes? Well, I'd probably answer that question uh, two ways. Uh, the first way I'd, I'd talk about it from an officiating perspective, and I'd say the most common mistake I see competitors making is not uh, taking enough time after an action or position to actually secure the score for the required amount of time. Now, typically that's uh, rule of thumb is three seconds. I call it a three count because, um, you know, all referees counts are literally different. We're not using a stopwatch to verify it. So it's the referee's three count that ultimately is going to secure the, the position for the score. And most often I see uh, competitors so caught up in what they're trying to accomplish that they're not really thinking about that from a scoring perspective. Um, part two to that is um, one of the most strategic mistakes I see competitors making is uh, not effectively listening to their coach. Um, it can be challenging sometimes to be multitasking, you know, and be in the middle of a, a competitive grappling match and have your ears and eyes open for your coach and what things they may be recommending. But, um, you know, uh, from my position as a referee, I get to enjoy, you know, being in the middle of both the action and, and hear what the coaches are saying while I'm watching the, uh, the competitors. And, and very often it's really good advice. So I'd say definitely listen to your coach. David, I'm curious to dig a little bit deeper into both of these. And, and I know you don't probably have like hard numbers, but just from gut feeling, uh, is there a uh, position or a method of scoring that is typically the most common that they don't get the, the points for because they don't hold it long enough? Um, if I had to, if I had to uh, think of the, the scenario that I would consider most common, I would say that sometimes competitors get greedy after guard passes and they're looking to secure additional positions. So they get the guard pass, but they're looking to mount also or, or neon belly or something additional. And because of that extra aggressiveness, they haven't taken the time to really secure even the guard pass itself. And um, so that's a possible scenario I, I think I see uh, common is being a little greedy and looking for either a submission or an advanced position um, and, and not securing the one that was uh, closest at hand. 
Okay, just to clarify that a little bit more, if if I pass a guard and in, in briefly in sight control and go right to mount and I maintain my mount, how many points am I scoring there? Well, um, you know, typically in a that's called a compound movement, something where an action is coupled with a uh, position. So the action would be the guard pass. And you can secure that in four places. You can secure it in a side mount, in a north-south position, in a neon belly, or in a mount. If you happen to secure a guard pass in a neon belly or a mount, uh, you could receive an additional score for the same three count of control. So for the scenario you described, it would be three for the guard pass action and four for the mount. Okay, so the mistake is being made where they passed probably side control and they're getting excited and they go to mount and the the person actually gets their guard back in that process yeah exactly so so instead of taking the three they go for the seven and end up with an advantage maybe or or nothing okay and just the same kind of a gut feeling um it's hard to listen to your coach sometimes is it typically harder to listen to your coach when you're playing offense or defense Ooh, now that's an interesting question um I definitely think it's harder uh, when you're playing defense because usually you're under duress and pressure, and it's, I think, a little harder to have your ears open. Uh, a lot of attacking positions, you have some, um, you're, you're more comfortable because you're applying the pressure. So a lot of times, you're, if you're in a dominant position, you're on top. So you've got gravity on your side, and it's a much more flexible situation to have your ears open and be uh, be focused on somebody else's commands. This has been The Referee Corner with David Silverfox Karchmer. If you have a question for The Referee Corner, send it to bjjbrick at gmail.com. And of course, go to thegrapplingreferee.com for great articles, videos, and podcast interviews by David Silverfox Karchmer. All right. Uh, thanks to David Karshmer for uh, stepping in, uh, you know, with his segment there, the referee's corner. And uh, we're starting. This is a new thing for us. We won't be every week unless we get flooded with questions by people like you. That would be nice, I suppose. But uh, we're also looking for questions regarding uh, kids training and uh, just youth doing jujitsu. And they will be sent to Corbett Miller. And I'll probably get several of these questions kind of built up before I call him with just one. So uh, send in your questions for uh, Corbett Miller, uh, David Karchber, and also Tim Sled will be handling legal questions. So I don't know really uh, the degree that he could answer legal questions based on where you live and all that sort of thing. But if you have a question that you think would be interesting to hear the answer regarding BJJ and uh, you know rules and laws or uh, anything that you want a uh, – very uh, well-known lawyer and also black belt that is uh, top-notch to answer that sort of a question. Uh, that'll go t- t- towards Tim Sled. And uh, we're looking to do – this will be fun, Gary. Yeah, I actually have a legal question for Tim Sled. Um, Tim, since Byron has been watching your videos, he is now leg-dragging me to death. Um, I am getting put in very bad positions due to the Byron leg drag. Can I sue you? For teaching Byron this leg drag because I am not happy. I'll uh, yeah, Gary. I'll go ahead and send that his way, and uh, make it. This I really way. don't think I don't think I have a chance. I don't think you have a, a very strong case. Yeah. Uh, are you trying to sue me or sue Tim? I think Tim because he <laughs> taught it to you. But hey, um, you know, a little. Your plug problem here. is with me, though, right, Gary? Well, actually, from the material 
that you were taught by Tim. Oh, I so see. definitely, if you want to get great at leg drags, take, check out Tim Sled's uh, leg drag DVD. It is awesome. And, and I can tell you from the guy getting leg dragged to death, it is definitely awesome unless you're in my position. So uh, definitely check it out. It's I can tell you it's done wonders for Byron's game. And uh, um, and he's his leg drags have just gotten incredible from working with Tim. Well, so thanks, check it out. You're welcome, Master. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, well, uh, you mentioned the leg drag stuff. If uh, if you are interested in leg drags, check out the, the review I did on the DVD. Uh, I it's under the cover. YouTube channel. Yeah. I try to, with my reviews of, of educational material, I try to help you decide if this is right for you. Uh, sure, it's a great DVD, but will it help your game? So uh, that's kind of what I'm trying to help everybody with. There's so many great materials out there for everybody to learn from but uh, i really try to help see if it's going to match up well with what you're trying to do uh, same thing with david karchmer if you're interested in becoming a referee or maybe you are a referee and wanting to become a better one go to his website check out his stuff there he's um really uh, into promoting uh you know grappling referees and 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 getting them to be the best quality that they can be he's very professional uh, with this and uh, yeah i appreciate the hard work he's doing so uh, leg drags, Tim Sled, or legal legal stuff, uh, Tim Sled as well, or uh, you know anything uh, referee related. Check out the the grappling referee dot com. Yep, and also don't forget about uh, uh, Corbett Miller. If you have any questions for uh, training kids, or you know trying to get your kids more engaged, or anything of that sort, uh, send those questions in bjjbrick at gmail dot com. Gary, uh, you know this segment here is is really nice. It's fun to kind of bring in another person in the show uh, on a semi-regular basis, you know, have like a contributors. But uh, this did not get you out of your audio book. You know, I was actually hoping it was going <laughs> to, and then I looked down at our audio or our, our outline, and I did see it said uh, Gary's audio book. So I figured I was in trouble. Yes. Uh, if you're new to the show here, this is time of the show where we like to have like a little bit of fun at one of ours' expense. And typically, that's Gary. Uh, Gary uh, is going to talk about an audio book that he has no idea what it's about. He really has no idea, uh, you know, what he's going to say. But I really throw it to him and see where he goes with it. And it's pretty fun for at least two of us, and some of the listeners enjoy it as well. Otherwise, we got a Matt Tales, and we don't have one this week. I'm hoping to have one. I've got one, Gary. I'm working on it, but I haven't quite yet pieced it together for this Sweet. week. But uh, Gary, this week your audio book is called Repeat. Jiu-Jitsu. Pete and Repeat have adventures in Jiu-Jitsu. What was their name? Repeat. Pete. Re- repetitive Jiu-Jitsu. Pete and Repeat have uh, adventures in Jiu-Jitsu. What was their name? <laughs> I'm going to stop that right there, Gary. Uh, tell me about your audio book. Well, you know, this is an audio book about two of my good buddies, uh, Pete and Repeat. This is an audiobook about two of my good buddies, Pete and Repeat. This is an audiobook okay. about two of my. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just lost half our listeners. Oh, man. Well, anybody named Pete's going to stick with it, I think. Yeah, Pete. Um, but no, this is an audiobook. Um, <laughs> you know, I did get permission to write this audiobook from my master, Byron. He said I could go ahead and uh, uh, write this one because it is very important. But, you know, this one is actually a real audiobook. Uh, it actually makes sense. It's not a joke like the rest of mine. I'm basically going to tell you to repeat moves over and over again until you get better at them. Um, so um, we need to 
to work on these moves. You, you know, you can't. What drives me crazy, and this is chapter one, is when you have a, your instructor shows you a move, and you have somebody who does it one time, and then they just talk the whole time. You know, before your instructor shows the next move. You know, you need to do these moves. You need to repeat these moves over and over again. That's the only way you're going to get better at them. It needs to be muscle memory. And if you're listening to this show, you definitely want to get better at jiu-jitsu. Um, so definitely repeat these moves over and over again. Um, repetition is the key to success. Uh, but as we learned about in the article where it said don't be repetitive, don't just do one move and and neglect everything else. You know, let's say you have a really good heel hook because you watched uh, the Wolverine, Eddie Cummings, win a bunch of matches. So you figure, hey, I'm going to get good at that and just have one move. Um, definitely make sure, you know, you have a guard, you have a top game, but, you know, uh, mount, side mount. You, you know, you have to be versed everywhere. But to get to that position, these moves you have to do over and over again. And sorry this one wasn't funny. I was going to try to make it funny. But... You know, I, I just think, uh, you know, this is something that needs to be said again. We need to we need to work hard. We need to uh, uh, drill the moves that, are, that we are taught over and over again. Yeah, Gary, I was picturing, um, I, don't, I actually don't know what I was picturing, but as you're apologizing for not being hilarious, wouldn't it be kind of funny if somebody uh, set up a training situation kind of like Groundhog Day where they... Uh, everybody in, was in on the joke about one person, and they come in, and the instructor comes in and, and puts a drink down and says, "Hey guys, you know we're going to train with this today." And uh, somebody says, "Yay!" And, and 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 then the next day, the exact same script happens, and the person is like, "This is repeating from last time I was here. I know the techniques," and and did that like all week long. That'd be kind of funny, but I bet you those techniques would be pretty good by the end of that week. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely be good. But, hey, thanks for the idea. I think I'm going to have to use that. Use it. Uh, do that to your training buddies because they're not going to listen to this. And sit it in as a Matt Tales, Gary. That would be awesome. Speaking of that, I do have a good <laughs> Matt Tales I need to write now that I know about. All right. Write it down and send it in. Uh, yep. Send it to bjjbrick at gmail.com. You can send all of our stuff there, all of your questions for our new segments that we have coming up. Uh, send them there as well. Uh, check us out on Facebook. I mentioned YouTube already, Twitter, wherever your social media heart desires, we might already be there on Instagram as well. Uh, yep. Real quick, too, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters, uh, Mark, David, uh, Shackery, and, and Donald Trump. Uh, those four are big-time supporters for Patreon. It's a uh, website for content producers like ourselves, and and uh, you can donate a little bit of money per show, per episode, and uh, all that money goes to help us put this show on. So thank you, uh, Mark, Shakri, David, and Donald. We appreciate it. Yeah, I rolled with Donald the other day, and he turned most of my ghee orange. That was awkward. Yeah, you know, I, I put him in a headlock and his <laughs> hair fell off. <laughs> the bad thing is now we are being investigated by the Secret Service, Byron. Dang it, Gary. What did you do to us, man? Yeah, but if they come me. after me, I'm pulling guard. Pulling guard every time. Pull guard yep. and he'll hook. That's yep. how Gary does it. Yep, uh, repetition. <laughs> One last thing. If you've enjoyed the show, uh, please tell a friend about it. I know you have some grappling buddies, and uh, they might get a kick out of it as well. It might even learn something. Uh, so uh, just referring us to a friend is a very nice gesture 
of support that you can do. If you can't support us financially on Patreon, if you can't support us uh, with the audiobook, or maybe you've been training for a long time and that's really not your thing for our first year of grappling audiobook, uh, telling a friend could be a huge help. So we definitely appreciate that. We are seeing an increase in people uh, liking and sharing our stuff on social media. So that's also nice as well. So uh, I want to thank everybody for the support. Uh, catch us next week. We've got another great episode lined up. And as always, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs>